This is Speaker for the Living, a podcast where we explore human trafficking, forced labor, and all things related. My name is Seth Dare. I'm here with JJ Genflone. And today we're going to do part two of our Florida Man series. And in this case, we're going to uh, go to Palm Beach, mostly, and talk about Jeffrey Epstein. And uh, if you saw the title of the podcast, there's a reason I put all those words in there. SEO is only part of it. Billionaire, pedophile, pervert, sexual predator, sex offender, sex abuser, sex trafficker, with question marks after all of those. People call him a lot of things. But to start off uh, looking at the terms, people say he's a billionaire. It's hard to know sometimes without actually seeing people's assets or tax returns. But he does have his own plane and his own island, so I can believe that he's a billionaire. I Generally, once you get an island... I that's feel like line. that's the moment. Mm-hmm. As far as pedophile, the strict definition of pedophile is youth who are not yet in puberty and mm-hmm. relates to like a condition of being attracted to uh, kids who have not reached puberty. It doesn't appear that was the case with Jeffrey Epstein, but the more general cultural idea of pedophile as somebody who has sex with youth. Yeah, that's so pederast is somebody who it's, it's some, a child who's entered puberty, but is not yet the legal age of 18, which is, is the sort of age of consent. So still kids, mm-hmm. though, still kids. I think that we forget that sometimes is that, you know, someone engaged with sex with, with a two-year-old, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 14-year-old. A 16-year-old, like, those are those are all unokay. Those are all not acceptable because those are all people too young to consent. And legally considered statutory rape, so yep. even when there's consent. So if you want to call him a pedophile, go for it. Yep. A pervert, generally agreed. As far as sexual yep. predator and sex offender, I'm going to quote what he said when he was released from 13 months in his country club jail in February 11th. <laughs> And he said to the New York Post, after having to register as a level three sex offender, which is the worst kind, he said, I'm not a sexual predator. I'm an offender. It's the difference between a murderer and a person who steals a bagel. I, you can't hear me out there in the world, people, but this is, Seth and I are just both at the same time just shaking our heads like, no! Seth gave this an everyone rating, and I mean an E rating, which I guess I know, I now know, I learned today means it's explicit. So can I, I can say this? Fuck no, dude, you're just no, no, no. It's beyond Having absurd. Having sex with children isn't the same as stealing a bagel. Sentences I never thought I would have to say out loud. It's Damn hard it. not to call somebody like him a sexual predator. Uh, He's definitely a sex offender. That's one thing that's not disputable. (laughs) A sex abuser, seems like it's easy to make that case. A sex trafficker. Now, here's a good reason why there's a question mark. Based on testimony, he's a sex trafficker. Based on interviews with police, it certainly looks like he's a sex trafficker. Based on the released court testimony and evidence... Well, we don't know because it's all under seal. We we have more information about what happened in Jupiter, Florida from the police than we do in the case of Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, which is when when we were prepping for this case, I think I def for for the series, I think I definitely got the the far easier case uh, in terms of both both research and compiling and and explaining because I got a a brief instance of something happening and that was very well recorded by police and has, it seems like they're being quite open with media. Seth, you got like a 10 year epic story of bad shit. It's even longer. I, mm. Cause it appears it started around, well, that we know of around 2002 or 2003, but we'll get into the timeline and the timeline will be mostly so that we can get a sense of, why this is so fucked up and uh i mean i felt disgusted just researching this your notes made me very uncomfortable and and this is almost the cliff notes version i'm only going to recount part 
of one victim's story. There's a lot. There's been multiple civil suits. So Jeffrey Epstein, he's now 65 years old, was one of the most powerful money managers in the world, they say. He'd worked at the investment bank Bear Stearns in the early 80s. He founded his own firm, J. Epstein and Company, in 82, where he said his assets were worth one in the billion, and he was soon managing billions for his clients. In 92, he owned the largest private residence in Manhattan, which would have to be really expensive. (laughs) For tax purposes, he has run his business from the island of St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands since at least 1996. He also owns the island of Little St. James. So he runs his business on one island, and he owns another one, Little St. James. Yeah. In 2002, he was said to have run $15 billion worth for his wealthy clients. We tell you who those clients were if the list was not secret. So police, in commenting on the situation, in this case it's Palm Beach Police Chief Michael Ryder, said, This was not a he said, she said situation. This was 50-something she's and one he, and the she's all basically told the same story. Now, that sort of circumstantial evidence would give a strong indication that he's probably a sexual predator, based on that alone. Mm-hmm. So, by 2008, when he got his plea agreement, the feds had identified around 40 victims. Due to the uh, great reporting, investigative reporting of Julie Brown at the Miami Herald, where I'm linking to several of their articles and uh, their publication and her work is part of why uh, Jeffrey Epstein is back in the news now, which we'll get to at the end of the podcast. She's identified about 80 women who say they were molested or otherwise sexually abused by Epstein. Police had said that Epstein had enlisted his employees and other girls to go to malls, house parties, and other places where girls congregated so that they could recruit underage girls, many of them underprivileged or from broken homes and that they told recruits that they could earn anywhere from 200 to 300 to give to a man, Jeffrey uh-huh. Epstein, for a massage at his pink Palm Beach mansion on the waterfront. Now, before continuing, why is the underprivileged or broken home significant in, that's in, a, that's in, a in, huge, in this case? Yeah, because that's a, that's a huge symptom, one, of just vulnerability to human trafficking in, in general, particularly amongst youth, because then, you know, Individuals may need to be sort of financially providing for themselves. They may not have necessarily a home to go into, so they may be more willing to engage in survival sex. But then also they have sort of less capability of reporting. So if they don't have like a trusted parent or or guardian or sort of older family member, they might not have someone who they can can go to and say, okay, so this is what I've been offered or, or this is what's happening in my life. And instead you have these other adults in their lives that can end up sort of taking control. So one recruiter had told the police that Epstein advised her, quote, the younger, the better. The teens, uh, as young as 13 for the massage and Epstein would masturbate himself and molest his victims, according to both lawsuits and police reports. He would go as far as the girls were willing to let him, including intercourse, paying them premiums. One girl said he forcibly raped her, then apologized and paid her $1,000. Raping and then apologizing and giving money, n- not okay. No, and we talk about this all the time too, which is human trafficking. You are tra- you can be trafficked and be paid. It's, mm-hmm. it's not the money. It's, it's that you're not able to consent and participate. Well, in this case, now the fact that they're underage would make this not legally okay even with consent, but like... When he forcibly rapes somebody, like there, there's no, you know, he's crossed the line indisputably based on that allegation. Oh, yes, yes. And then by paying her, he makes it trafficking because without paying her, it's not commercial sex. But then by paying her, suddenly it's trafficking. Yeah, and I know people out there get really, I think sometimes, especially like in the field, now in the field, they get annoyed by these distinctions. Mm-hmm. It's the same sort of thing that happens, I think, when you talk to people about. Whether someone who's committed mass murder, are they a serial killer or not, right? Because ultimately it does seem like it sort of comes up and off into a wash of like, you're just a bad person. Mm-hmm. 
like it's just a wash of evil. But these legal distinctions are important because that's what then people can be tried for. That's what people can be convicted for. That determines punishment. That in terms, actually, also it determines sort of victim services that are available to to survivors. So it's it's an important distinction. But I get why, like, if people are listening right now, they're like, and like, why mm-hmm. does that matter nearly as much? You can charge them with more things. Yep. Now and more things to charge generally equals more good. And then sometimes he would instruct a, a young woman he described, they say, as his Yugoslavian sex slave named uh, Nadia Marsinkova, who was over 18, <laughs> to join in. Ugh. And then Epstein also is alleged to have taken photographs of girls having sex and displaying them around the house. What the fuck? Oh, God. This is a bad day. offer... This, these are what all, all the allegations are, and detectives have a certain amount of corroborating evidence. And then he would offer them money to find more girls, which some of them did, and there's a lot of corroboration on that story. And uh, the lead Palm Beach police detective, Joseph Riccari, said Epstein's operation worked like a sexual pyramid scheme, which is really, really creepy. Quote, he said, The common interview with a girl went like this. I was brought there by so-and-so. I didn't feel comfortable with what happened, but I got paid well, so I was told if I didn't feel comfortable, I could bring someone else and still get paid. <sighs> so, Riccari, when they researched it, said the evidence was overwhelming. It included phone call records, copies of written phone messages from the girls found in Epstein's trash and Epstein's flight logs, they showed his private plane in Palm Beach on the days the girls were scheduled to give him massages. So you don't always have direct evidence, but there's a lot of testimony that corroborates with each other, and there's a lot of details that also corroborate. The police report, which we haven't seen, but which is reported on, shows that the girls' stories are uncannily consistent right down to their detailed descriptions of Epstein's genitalia. Boop. Now, in uh, Epstein re- replying to court filings in uh, relation to lawsuits against him, has said that each teenager consented to it and was a willing participant in the acts alleged, and that he reasonably believed they were 18 years old during the alleged acts. Did you? Did you, Jeffrey? I find that suspicious, sir. (laughs) Apparently so did the police. He's also suspected of trafficking minor girls, often from overseas, for sex parties at his other homes in Manhattan, New Mexico, and the Caribbean. But being a billionaire elite, he also had famous friends which included Bill Clinton and Donald Trump. Now, I first heard of Epstein in relation to Bill Clinton. I haven't paid much attention to him, but uh, when people are into Pizzagate and other things, they like to weave everything together. And I'll go into both Bill Clinton and Donald Trump and how they relate. You can decide which are more creepy. Yep. Clinton would go on to fly at least 11 times with uh, socialite Ghislaine Maxwell and Epstein's former assistant, Sarah Kellen, who have been accused of pimping for Epstein on his private plane, which is called the Lolita Express. For real. Which at this point, because I didn't know much about this case, and I looked at your notes, and it was at this point I was like... I. Why don't you just get pedophile, just tattooed on your forehead, and then if if what you like is apparently taunting law enforcement but being like, I'm rich, I do what I want, and what I want is to do horrible, disgusting, evil things to other individuals, why don't you just go for a full face tattoo? Just embrace it. Get a bedazzled t-shirt. Yeah, so the Lolita Express and Bill Clinton. Also, I don't want to get Twitter messages from people who are into Lolita fashion or say that the Lolita book is a good book. It's a book about a pedophile. Shouldn't want to be like Humphrey Humperdinck. 
Uh, I'm just making this. This podcast is mm-hmm. going to be Seth making very good points that are exceptionally well reasoned and factual, and me just making pr- a progressive series of vulgarities and grunting noises. In, in hindsight, we probably should have done a video cast so you could watch JJ's facial expressions as I'm going through this. I maybe that should just be the cover. <laughs> Normally, we find a nice photo to try and like articulate what it is, but I think it just needs to be me angrily chugging Powerade. Uh, mm, mm. Anyway, Seth, back to the facts. Additionally, Fox News reported that they found 26 trips that Bill Clinton went on the Lolita Express, most of these in uh, 2002-2003. That included visiting Epstein's private island. Epstein's phone directory, or what is reputed to be his phone directory, showed that he had 21 numbers relating to Bill Clinton. In 2002, Donald Trump said, we're on Donald Trump now. He said, I've known Jeff for 15 years. Terrific guy. He's a lot of fun to be with. It is even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. No doubt about it. Jeffrey enjoys his social life. Donald Trump actually said that. The same guy who said, I just start kissing him, grab him by the pussy. You know that guy? Humanity was a mistake. In 2003, Vanity Fair did a profile on Epstein where it named Trump as a businessman who dines with Epstein at his home. And you may have heard about the Jane Doe case filed in June 2016 against Donald Trump for rape when she was 13 years old in 1994. She alleged that uh, she was enticed to attend parties at the home of Jeffrey Epstein with the promise of uh, money, modeling jobs, and that Mr. Trump initiated sexual contact with her on four occasions at Epstein's Manhattan residence. New York's five-year statute of limitations on the claim has expired. She dropped the lawsuit in November 2016. So we don't know whether it's true or not. Epstein's phone directory showed he had 18 phone numbers relating to Donald Trump. When put under oath, Epstein was asked, Have you ever socialized with Donald Trump in the presence of females under the age of 18? He pleaded the fifth. Mm -hmm. When asked under oath, Do you know former President Clinton personally? He pleaded the fifth. As far as sexual predators, I'll go on record I think there's more than enough evidence that in their lives, Bill Clinton and Donald Trump have have shown predatory behavior. What they do now, I don't know. But on that count, I dislike both of them. So, you know, for people, politics and like if I'm going to talk about the story because of the left and the right have to get into both of these two people. So I've done that. Now moving on to the timeline. But before I do, any other facial expressions, JJ? I everything is awful. My I mm, mm, the world is over. It's ruined. The ice caps are melting. Polar bears are dying, and this is we've strayed too far from God's. Life. I don't know. I it's, don't. It's kind <sighs> of the opposite of the "Everything Is Awesome" song from Lego. Yeah, no, it is the direct inverse. It is the sound of a bunch of people screaming in hell. That's what this is. All right. I mean, at least we're being, we're being bipartisan and that we mm-hmm. hate everyone. But uh, the one last disclaimer on uh, Bill Clinton and Donald Trump. I haven't seen any concrete evidence that they have committed sexual assault with anyone associated with Jeffrey Epstein. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but there's no concrete proof that is publicly available that I've seen. Don't send me any because that's, again, not the point of this podcast. If you want to hate Bill Clinton or Donald Trump, be my guest. All right. The timeline. Starting in March 2005, the stepmother of one 14-year-old 
phoned the police and said a wealthy man had molested her child at a mansion in Palm Beach. A schoolmate's mom overheard her own daughter discussing how uh, the 14-year-old victim had met with a 45-year-old man and had sex with him and was paid for it. And that mom was really disturbed and told the mom of the 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. Good job. Around that job. time, a teacher found $300 in the 14-year-old's purse. She said a female acquaintance and a classmate at Royal Palm Beach High School had taken her to the house to give him a massage in exchange for money. So that's a pretty sketchy, clear case of trafficking based on the allegation. And it's something you should report to police. Yes. Yes. So in April, the police looked at trash at his home and discovered a telephone message for Epstein with that girl's name on it and a time that matched the time that she told police she was there. They find the names and phone numbers of other girls on message slips in, the, in his trash. They would soon find five girls who had similar stories about how Epstein had lured them to his house. In October, one of his assistants calls one of the girls as she is being questioned by police. Yeah. And then uh, on October 20th, 2005, they execute a search warrant on his home, and they had identified 21 possible victims by that point. In May 2006, which is several months later, they sign a probable cause affidavit charging Epstein and his assistants with multiple counts of unlawful sex with a minor. So they're like, we have enough evidence. We're going to charge the guy now. They had identified 35 possible victims at that point. The uh, state attorney, Barry Krischer, referred the case to a grand jury. In June... 2006, the grand jury, after hearing from one girl, returns an mm -hmm. indictment of one count of solicitation of prostitution, which is a lot less than they had uncovered in their investigation. And the fact that she's underage, which should make it something yeah. worse than solicitation of prostitution. Agreed. Next month in July... By this time, Epstein had a powerhouse legal team. That's how they referred to, powerhouse legal team. And so they tried to negotiate a deal with the state attorney's office. And so they tried to make it so he would enter an intervention program and serve no jail time. The next month, due to pressure from the courageous Palm Beach police chief, the FBI opens a federal investigation dubbed Operation Leap Year. The important part is there was a federal investigation since it seemed like the yeah. local investigation wasn't going anywhere for some reason, although you can speculate about... Because he owns the island. Right. Well, there's the island, but in Palm Beach, he doesn't own. He just owns yeah, but a big he's known. Thing. He's known as being a dude who owns an island. He has a lot of money. He has influence. So then, uh, November 2006, the FBI begins interviewing potential witnesses from Florida, but also New York and New Mexico. And I am skipping over the minor things. There's more to the story, and there's tributaries that one can go down. I'm focusing oh, yeah. on the law enforcement aspect. So May 2007, the U.S. Attorney's Office was preparing to send the case to a federal grand jury. Epstein's attorneys request a meeting. And then June 2007, U.S. Attorney's Office prepares a 53-page indictment. We've never seen that indictment. It is not public. I want it. That you can send to me, people on Twitter, who normally send me things I don't want to send it to me. I want it. Epstein's legal team is negotiating a plea at the same time. In September 2007, the federal prosecutors draw up multiple federal plea agreements that Epstein and his attorneys reject. And then in October 2007, they're debating a non-prosecution agreement, and Alex Acosta meets with Epstein lawyer Jay Lefkowitz to discuss finalizing a deal. Among the terms agreed upon, that the victims would not be notified that the deal mm -hmm. would be kept under seal and all grand jury subpoenas would be canceled. 
I'm giving to those of you at home, the face that I'm making now is what I would best describe as a, are you fucking kidding me? Slash, can we burn you on your island to the ground? I'm not being a good Catholic in this episode. I want to murder everyone. That's not a threat. Don't sue me. I'm speaking hypothetical murder. Figurative murder. Burn it down. In December 2007, Epstein attorney... Kenneth Starr asked for a review of the agreement by the U.S. Department of Justice in Washington for their delaying its execution. Yes, that Kenneth Starr, the same Kenneth Starr who investigated Bill Clinton, that Kenneth Starr is on Epstein's legal team. The guy who considers himself a very strong Christian, that guy is on Epstein's legal team. January 2008. Epstein's attorney Lefkowitz calls U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Florida, Alex Acosta, telling him that his client will not go through with the agreement because it requires him to register as a sex offender. The FBI keeps doing its thing. And then March 2008, they're looking at a new federal grand jury presentation. The U.S. Attorney's Office notes that Epstein's victims are being harassed by his lawyers. <laughs> it is said that his defense team supplied prosecutors with dossiers on the alleged victims in an effort to discredit them. This included copies of MySpace profiles that showed drug and alcohol use and other things, according to the police. It's also alleged that Epstein hired private eyes to follow witnesses, including one victim's father. Now again, we go to the uh, problem of looking at at uh, girls who are vulnerable and then using that vulnerability and bad decisions to, against them, and and to control them. And like the other thing too is that you know it's the difference girls to women. Like, they're girls. Mm -hmm. They're babies. On June 30th, 2008, he appears in a Palm Beach County courtroom and pleads guilty to the state charges as part of his plea. One count of solicitation of prostitution and one count of solicitation of prostitution with a minor under the age of 18. After all that, that's what they agreed to. He is sentenced to 18 months in jail, followed by a year of community control or house arrest. He also agreed to register as a sex offender. And lastly, to pay restitution to the three dozen victims identified by the FBI. And that's all we know because it's not public. In exchange for the plea, the FBI dropped its probe into whether Epstein was operating an international sex trafficking network and also granted federal immunity to his co-conspirators. That is the sweetheart deal that he was given. Now, Alan Dershowitz, who has worked for Harvey Weinstein and is a legal ally of President Trump and defends him on Twitter and on TV. Alan Dershowitz, he said, We got the best deal we thought we could get. I'm proud of the role I played in getting Jeffrey Epstein the deal. He wasn't happy with it. He thought perhaps we could have done better. Of Kenneth Starr, he said, He helped negotiate the plea bargain. Dershowitz also said the evidence against Epstein was virtually non-existent. Aside from, well, I haven't seen all the evidence, so I can't really count on that. But this is also one of those cases where, like, yes, I know what lawyers are paid to do, but there's such a strong case against him that... I don't know. I, I don't know how Dershowitz sleeps at night. But then again, as you'll you'll see, he has accusations against him too. Yeah, this... 
again, I think this is, I think that's best described when you talk about how there's like, there's tributaries and there's branches and there are layers here. All right. So, and, uh, that deal was between his lawyers and Alex Acosta, who is now the secretary of labor in the Trump administration. Now, July 2008, his victims learned about the plea after the fact. They are not happy. They file an emergency petition to force the prosecutors to comply with the Federal Crime Victims' Rights Act, which includes the right to be informed about plea agreements and the right to appear at sentencing, neither of which they were given the privilege of. Mm-hmm. And then in August, they learn he's already been sent to jail and that the federal investigation is over. They seek to have his plea unsealed. But federal prosecutors won't do it. In October, he begins work release. He's picked up by his private driver six days a week, transported to an office in West Palm Beach, where he accepts visitors for up to 12 hours a day, and then he returns to the uh, prison in the evenings to sleep. It's like, makes you wonder what would happen if he was a poor black man. Oh. Not that. In jail for the rest of his life. I... For a lot less. Now, one can make a class argument as well. This guy is clearly an elite. He's clearly has a lot of leverage. But it it's not going out on a limb to say that poor people in general who are accused of these crimes or commit them are going to get a different deal than Jeffrey Epstein, regardless of their race. July 2009, he's released five months be- before 18 months are up. He must register as a sex offender and is on probation for a year, confined to his Palm Beach home except to travel to his office. However, records show that he frequently makes trips to Manhattan and to the Virgin Islands. Feel free to swear. Apparently, I mean, like, shock, right? But you can do whatever the fuck you want if you have money. (laughs) I hate so much. I, there's a, there's a, there's a gif that I quite like. That is from the fantastic cult series movie Clue, where a woman is talking about what, made her um, commit murder. And she starts talking and she goes, it's flames, flames around my face, flames rising, coming, flames. And I'm, I'm, that is me. That is me. I am the flames rising gif. In September 2009, the non-prosecution plea agreement is made public. That's not all of the information about the accusations but the actual plea and uh, victim advocates will consider it one of the most lenient plea deals for a serial sex offender in history also by the time there's um, at least a dozen civil lawsuits against Jeffrey Epstein and he starts settling them out of court which also keeps them private now he's settling them don't know the details but since we have credible accusations that he actually did sexually assault girls, yeah, that he gets to escape criminal, like true criminal scrutiny and penalty, and is able just to pay for it, yes, is is insulting and horrifying. In other words, that I'm running out of words. It's just awful. And it's clearly unjust. March 2011. Uh, two of his victims file a motion in federal court accusing the government of violating their rights by failing to notify them about the plea deal and keeping it secret. This is, this is why when conspiracy theorists people jump on... I'm always like, listen, 
you know, within reason, blah, 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 only certain things are true. And I'm like, what about Jeffrey Epstein? I'm like, oh, oh, that's all true. That is 100% done, cut, print. At this point, I would believe he's a lizard person. Whatever you want to tell me, people on the internet. I would believe it at this point. Well, even if I step back, like, just, it, there's no way that this, like, first of all, that it's a plea. Like, why did this not yeah. go to trial? But, but also, like, it doesn't seem like this is a case where the victims got a fair hearing and that he, uh, Epstein got fair scrutiny to truly determine what he was guilty of. Yeah. So all of this forces Alex Acosta to respond because he was the U.S. federal prosecutor. And he said in March 20th, 2011, that the deal he struck with Epstein's lawyers was harsher than it would have been had the case remained with the state prosecutor, Krischer, because Krischer was only looking at a misdemeanor prostitution violation. He also described a year-long assault on the prosecutors by Epstein's legal superstars. He actually used army of legal superstars in his letter, which included investigating the prosecutors and their families looking for personal peccadilloes. Personal peccadilloes is also a quote to disqualify them from Epstein's case. Dershowitz, however, denied that Epstein's lawyers would ever investigate prosecutors. I don't know, but, you know, there's what, what they're saying. In September 2011, U.S. District Judge Kenneth Mara rejects the U.S. Attorney's Office argument that it was under no obligation to notify victims prior to striking a non-prosecution agreement with Epstein because there were no federal charges filed against him. However, the case will still drag on. In November of 2011, Epstein has to register in New York as a level three sex offender, which means, quote, high risk of repeat offense and a threat to public safety exist. The quote earlier about him talking about a bagel, that was when he said it around that time. So jumping to uh, January 2015, yes. one of his alleged victims, like I believe she's a victim, but alleged victims, Virginia Roberts. There is a picture of Virginia and Epstein that is on the internet and in the Miami Herald articles. So they knew each other. And yeah. she was a teenager then that was under 18. So that much is hard to debate. She files She files in Florida, claiming she was forced by Epstein to have sex with Prince Andrew and lawyer Alan Dershowitz when she was underage. The Prince Andrew tributary is one you can look into if you like. And uh, Dershowitz, that case ended up going nowhere, and that's not the prime focus of what we're talking about, but there it is. She provides photographs of her with the prince and uh, with socialite uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, who's one of the ones alleged to do pimping. Uh, Dershowitz and uh, Robert's attorneys would later have some sort of out-of-court settlement, whatever that means. We don't know because it's sealed, So, but publicly he denies it, and uh, yeah, there's that. All right, a little about her story, which is uh, sad. But yeah. also, it, it shows how exploitation and uh, it shows how exploitation and trafficking can be on a continuum, and that there's a lot of vulnerability, and there's uh, you know where where somebody is mentally, and all that other stuff. So, 
At age 11, she said she was sexually molested by a family friend. At 12, she was smoking pot and skipping school. At 13, she was in and out of foster homes. At 14, she was on the street. When in Miami, she became captive of a 65-year-old sex trafficker, Ron Eppinger. For months, she says she was sexually abused, kept in an apartment, and pimped out to pedophiles. After his indictment in 2000 on trafficking charges, she returned to West Palm Beach and tried to heal. This is the only story I'm recounting. There are other stories you can look at in the sources. And this isn't even her complete story that we know of. She's one of the few that um, has gone on record. Most, most women have chosen not to under, for understandable reasons. So when she was 16, she was working as a locker room attendant at Tunnel Trump's Mar-a-Lago. Where she was approached by Ghislaine Maxwell about becoming a masseuse for Epstein. Of course. I'm alleging nothing against Donald Trump by Virginia Roberts, and nothing has been alleged by Roberts, but it's just the intersection is fascinating. Yeah. Her father also worked at the resorts as a maintenance man. So. I'm literally, I Googled pictures of cute cats, and I'm just looking at them while we talk because it's the only thing that makes me feel better. Mm hmm. So she uh, describes how both Epstein and Maxwell uh, groomed her. I mean, the grooming is also a process where you can't always put somebody in a state of bondage where they're easily controlled right away. So she said she performed massages and then that uh, she also pleasured others sexually. And then she claims she was lent out to politicians and academics and royalty. And, and then she was told to find other girls, which she did, and recruited them. And she says she also traveled to New York, New Mexico, and U.S. Virgin Islands. And based on court records, her trips are documented in flight logs that list her name or her initials at a, as a passenger. So that's corroborating evidence. Robert said his appetite was insatiable. He wanted new girls, fresh young faces every single day. That was just the sickness that he had. If you want to read more of her story, you can read the links. And there's also a video interview with her. Poor, absolute, like, so, poor baby. Like, poor girl from start to finish. So October 2015, federal judge ruled that uh, the lawsuit, the Federal Crimes Victim Rights Act lawsuit, that it's a strike from the case and the accusations against Prince Andrew and Dershowitz. And really, it's not the prime issue with the case. The prime issue is Epstein anyway. Although she uh, later settled with Maxwell for an undisclosed sum because... You know, let's keep it out of the news and keep it non-public. Whatever it was, it's frustrating. It's frustrating because there's all these things that we just can't verify 100%, or, or even with a criminal conviction because they're kept out of public. February 2017, President Trump nominates former Miami federal prosecutor Acosta as the U.S. Secretary of Labor. He is asked during his confirmation about the DLA proof for Epstein. He was confirmed anyway. And then we go to December 2018. So there was to be a uh, civil trial. And some of Epstein's victims were slated to testify for the first time. But on December 4th, he reached a last minute settlement before the jury selection was about to begin. Also, on December 6, 2018, more than two dozen lawmakers, mostly Democrats, sent letters to Michael E. Horowitz, the Inspector General for the Department of Justice, calling for a probe into Secretary of Labor's Alex Acosta's role in the plea deal. And then on February 6, 2009, the uh, DOJ opened an investigation into the plea deal. 
All right. February 21st, 2019. Again, federal judge Kenneth Mara, the previous one who had ruled something, this time makes a more substantial ruling, saying that the prosecutors under Acosta I, start I, over. I give up. I, I, I give up. This is hard. <laughs> yeah, dude, it just, it's all, it's a pile of suck. He said that they had violated the Crime Victims' Rights Act. Did not overturn the plea deal, but it's now a lot more clear that, yes, they did violate the law with the way they handled the non-prosecution plea agreement. And now, as of March 1st, 14 Democratic members of Congress have asked the U.S. Attorney General to reopen the criminal investigation into Jeffrey Epstein. And that is where we're at. He's a free man. Not sure he's ever not be. I. This is the point where I would like to remind everyone that Santoya Brown spent... Over a decade in prison. Let's just compare cases, shall we? Maybe? World? America? Underage trafficking victim? Over a decade in prison? Hmm? God, I just hate... This is why we and I... We and I... (laughs) This is why Seth and I talk a lot about why, like, people get burned out in this field. Like, they get tired. They get exhausted they snap their brains go crazy and it's because you just see survivors just get shat on and and people get away with doing absolute evil things to other people for money like again and again and again and again and there is more to the story if you want to look at it The sources I provide in the show notes are a selection of those to get you started if you are a glutton for punishment. Uh, There's various people who uh, have looked at this in other ways. There's uh, a couple books on it. Um, Mm -hmm. People who are more conspiracy-minded where you you can, as JJ said, it's hard to argue that there's not at least a mini conspiracy uh, based on the leverage of somebody like Jeffrey Epstein Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah. it seems pretty. Clear. It's not a conspiracy. I feel like a conspiracy is hidden. It seems like this is very clearly happening. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, there's like the actual ring of like what he's actually accused of doing, and then there is his network of elites, mm-hmm. which. And when I say elite, I, yeah, I, I, like, I guess I see that there, but he he has his network and he has his influence and he has his money and he has people, whoever they are, that try to dig up dirt on people. And but like there's but there's that part of the conspiracy. Like, why did the state uh, like what? Why did were they considering lesser charges? Like why? Why was it not more substantial locally? Like what? Yeah, exactly. And that—that's where it makes you wonder: Is there blackmail? Is he paying people off? Do these people have reciprocal agreements? I'm is sure there's like people. A pure spe- amount of money. Yeah, I'm sure there's people like speculating on all this, and maybe they even have some indicative evidence. But conspiracy theorizing can can go down dark holes, and sometimes doesn't have substantial evidence. But again, we're not trying to look at the entire network of, of Epstein. We're looking at what was he accused of, what does law enforcement know, and, uh, you know, is this sex trafficking? And it certainly looks like it. Like, based on everything that's come out, it's hard to say that it's not. But it would be nice to uh, have all of that unsealed so we could see, like, what is all of the concrete evidence? Elites run the world. Always have. And maybe we should take his island away. Maybe, if you're a terrible human being, mm. we decide as the world you don't get islands anymore. You give them back to probably the indigenous people that they were stolen from in the first place. You return them. 
I can't help think of Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1, where he says, oh. it's good to be the king. It is. Hey. <laughs> yeah, let's... That's as much levity as we're getting here. Yeah. Guys, we tried. But this is a sad one. Pour yourself a glass of wine. I hope that was uh, nonpartisan enough, or, or uh, equally partisan of both groups to uh, yeah. satisfy people. But probably not. Probably not. If you've got documents, send them to us, but otherwise we won't talk to you. So. And if you want to respond on Twitter, feel free. I will not check them. <laughs> Very fair set. Well, Ezra Klein mentioned that he doesn't read comments and he doesn't check Twitter mentions and stuff. And I'm like, well, if the guy who, who founded Vox can do that, then I feel like it's a good policy for me. Probably. Probably. All right. Well, that's a little bit about Jeffrey Epstein, the basic version of what's involved and what the hubbubaloo is about. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but anyway. Well, and the conclusion of our rich Florida guys doing awful stuff story. Part one and two, now completed. Yeah, once we recover from this podcast, we'll figure out what we'll talk about next week. Hopefully something that makes us less likely to want to burn down islands. But, you know, we'll find out. All right. Thanks for uh, listening all the way if you uh, made it through. And uh, thanks for listening every week. Those of you who actually keep doing that, uh, it's a hard topic, uh, human trafficking and slavery and all this. But, uh, yeah. That's all I've got. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. This has been Speaker for the Living. For extended notes and sources, visit our website at speakerfortheliving.com.